Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. It is a good morning. Y'all glad to be here? Well, let me get you caught up real quick in case you weren't here last week. Well, first of all, let me say this. Caleb Gordon is not here this morning. I said last week he was coming to preach to us this morning, but I got I got mixed up on dates. So you're stuck with me this morning. So uh, that's okay, because I wasn't finished last week. And the uh, Lord showed me a few more things uh, this week, and that's what we're going to get into this morning. But last week we were talking about a diet. And... Um, Talked about four different, four different, basically four different types of, of, of people. Where, where you may be, where you are, where you have been, where you're going, whatever. Four different types, four different categories. And um, the first one was eat what you want whenever you want. And that's where you just eat what you want whenever you want, and you think it's not going to affect you. Guess what it does? It catches up to you. And same thing spiritually going out and partaking of the world and thinking it's not going to affect you. Well, you can say, look at me, I, I do this or I do that, and I, I'm just fine. Well, keep living because the wages of sin are death. And it does catch up to you absolutely 100%. And the second thing was on off because people are on a diet and they're off a diet and they're on a diet and they're off a diet. They're on a crash diet, quick fix before I go to the beach. I got to drop a few pounds to fit in this wedding dress because I'm going to be in a wedding. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody's d- d- done things like that. Well, spiritually speaking, same thing. We're on, we're off. We're hot, we're cold. We're hard times, so we're living for the Lord, but now I've got plenty of money in the bank. I'm healthy, and now I'm just strolling on through life again, and I don't really need the Lord right now. I'm off. On, off. The best thing to do is get on and stay on. Get on the Word and stay on the Word. Stay on the Word when things are good, and stay on the Word when things are bad. It's just a lifestyle. You just stay there. You just stay there. So then the third thing was in moderation. And that's where basically most people that I know are both uh, in the natural and in the spiritual. In the natural, what I mean is, I don't know anybody that just gorges themselves and just eats, you know, like a maniac. And I don't really know that many people that are um, on a super strict diet either. Basically, it's just in moderation. I'll eat a piece of apple pie, but not three times a day. I'll have a milkshake every now and then. Or I'll do a little of this, a little of that. Well, the same thing spiritually. And you say, well, it's just a little sin. It's not going to affect me. I mean, I do, I do, I live for the Lord most of the time. I mean, I read my Bible. I read the Word. I go to church. I pray. And it's just this one movie or it's just this one event or it's just this one thing. It's just a little drugs. It's just a little alcohol. It's just a little of this, a little of that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It was just a little apple. That's all it was. Just a little apple. It might have been a piece of bacon. I mean, we don't really know this apple. It's just, he said, choose this way. Choose me. Don't go that way. But he did, he did lay a choice out there for Adam and Eve. Come through me. Don't go through that. But they, choo- they chose to go through the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And guess what? They made a bad choice. And uh, you and I have also made bad choices as well. Um, and then the last thing last week was um, clean eating, clean living, eating a good, clean, healthy diet. And uh, that's where we need to be spiritually is eating a good, clean, healthy diet. 
and pay attention to what you put in your, your body. So I started on a journey myself eight weeks ago. Basically, whenever I became uh, a pastor, um, about the exact same time I quit working out, I quit exercising, and I used to race dirt bikes all the time, and I quit doing that. I still go to races, still put races on. I just quit doing it myself. And I just uh, didn't exercise, and I just didn't watch what I eat, uh, you know, ate, and I just... Uh, over three and a half years' time, um, plumped on up. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd never been like that before. I'd never been 260 pounds before. It just slowly crept up on me. And uh, then, you know, all of a sudden now I hate what I'm looking at. And I've been the same way spiritually before. Boy, I don't like this. I hate what I'm looking at. And uh, I mean, the Lord will allow you to get to that place. If you want to get there, He'll allow you to get there. But he don't want to leave you there. But you can learn something from it. And I can honestly say I'm glad that I did it. Because I have learned a lot in these past eight weeks. And I'm continuing to go uh, the right direction. But I've learned a lot from this uh, naturally natural diet. Changing my diet has taught me a lot spiritually. He's taught me a whole lot. He's taught me a whole lot. And like I say, I never had done that before. Um, and I, I got a friend of mine. And he's about 50 years old. And he's the most, uh, uh, one of the most beastly guys I know. And he is. His name is Jason Kaufman. Some of you know him. And uh, he's a bad man. He is. And I asked him, I said, have you ever been out of shape or overweight? And he said, no, I never have. I said, never? He said, no. He said, main reason is I've never had a job that allowed me to be out of shape or overweight. So he gets out of high school and he joins the military. He really won't talk a whole lot about it. I'm not sure exactly what he did, but some uh, mutual friends have told me that he was a bad dude, whatever he did, and he, whatever he's involved in, he won't even talk about it. And um, then after he got out of the military, then he became a police officer. And so what he was saying is, I was in the military. I had a job to do. I couldn't be out of shape and do my job. And then he said, I became a police officer. Once again, I can't be out of shape and do my job. I can't be a big giant guy that can't run 10 feet before you're out of breath and protect uh, the city. Not, not, not all officers think that way, I can tell you, because I've seen some big ones. And I didn't really think much about it. But over these past eight, eight weeks, I thought to myself, spiritually speaking, we've got a job to do. We have all got a job to do. As mothers, fathers, children, children of God. And He's put us here to do something. And you have a job to do. And you can't do that job when you're out of shape. You can't do that job when you're living for the world. you got to stay in shape. you got to be eating clean. That makes sense? Well, good. So last week was called You Are What You Eat. And this week is um, The Love Handle Christian. The Love Handle Christian. Because, you know, I said last week about the dad bod. That was, when they asked all these ladies what they preferred, they said the dad bod. They'd rather have the dad bod because it didn't put a lot of pressure on them and they wanted a man to focus on them and not himself. And 
a long list of different things, and I thought, that sounds pretty good. A lot easier. Just a little, little love handle action. It's what we like. Little love handle's okay. I thought, it's not okay. My understanding of the natural, yeah, let's, yeah it's fine. I, I'm all for it. But that's a trick of the enemy. Same way in the spiritual, saying just a little love handle's okay. Just a little apple, just a little piece of this, a little piece of that, a little do this, a little do that. Just a little bit's okay. As long as you do it in moderation, you don't go overboard, it's okay. In the spiritual. It's not okay. It's not okay. That's not found anywhere in the Scripture. He doesn't say, obey my word most of the time. Dang, it's quiet. Love handle Christians. So anyway, let's get into the... Get into the text here. And so I've got three things. Three things you need. There's three things that you need. Number one, you need rest. You absolutely need rest. You can't stay up all day, all night and go wide open, not get the proper rest and, uh, and expect to perform like you need to perform and expect your body to perform like it needs to perform. It needs to rest. You've got to rest. You've got to get some good sleep. Amen. And um, so in Ephesians, we've got several scriptures here, but I want you to see them for yourself. In Ephesians, it says that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. And this is Paul. He says, this is what I'm going to pray for you. He says, I'm going to pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. I want you to see things. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power which He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of heavenly places. That That same power that He used to work that He worked to, use, to raise Christ Jesus from the dead, that same power is at work in you and I. That's amazing. That's pretty wild. That's hard to wrap your mind around that the same power that God Almighty used to raise Christ Jesus from the dead, that same power is at work in, in you and me as believers. That's good news. And it says, He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at the right hand of heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only this age, but also which is the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in it all. Now he raised him up, seated him at the right hand, and he put all these things under his feet. Just remember that. He raised him up, he seated him at the right hand, and he put all these things under his feet. Well, that's good news. You know, in the Old Testament, the priest stood ministering daily, every day. There was uh, the table of showbread, the manure, the altar of incense. There were some other articles in there. But there was no seats. There was no chairs. There was no benches. There was no sitting allowed. The priest couldn't sit down. The scripture plainly says that the priest stood ministering every day. He couldn't sit down because his work was never finished. And you don't sit down till the job's complete. You don't sit down till the job's complete. You ever been caught sitting down on the job? You know, he's sitting down on the job or laying down on the job. No employer wants to come up and find his employee sitting down on the job when he needs to have his rear end up working on the job. Right? Well, these priests were here to do a job. 
They stood ministering every day and their job was never ever done and never ever complete because the blood of animals could never take away sin. It's just like swapping your credit card. It's going to buy you some time, but hey, payment's coming. They're going to mail the bill every month. Guarantee it. The payment's coming, but the priest was not allowed to sit down. Well, here comes Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. He finished the work. And it says right here in the scripture that Christ Jesus raised him from the dead and sat him down. You know why he sat down? Because he's finished. He finished the work. He's hanging on the cross. And the last thing he said, he said, it is finished. It's finished. What's finished? The work that you and I couldn't do. That's finished. He finished it. He fulfilled the law. He did everything on our behalf. He did it for us. And he said, it is finished. And he was seated at the right hand of the throne of God with all these things under his feet. That's good news, but even better news for you and me uh, right here in Ephesians, the second chapter, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, even when you were a miserable, awful sinner, and you couldn't get nothing right, even when you were living out in the world, living like a fool, even then, He made us alive together with Christ. It's by grace that you've been saved. And He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So Jesus Christ was raised up. He finished the work. He seated at the right hand of the throne of God. These things are put under His feet. Then you and I, even though we were still sinners, we didn't get it right. We couldn't do enough work. We couldn't accomplish it. Guess what? He loves us so much. He sent Jesus Christ to die for us. He raised us up. We died with Him and we rose with Him and He seated us at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. And the things that are under His feet are under our feet because we're seated with Him. He's seated with us. He's in us. That's rest. What He's saying is the, the work's been done. Rest in Jesus. This is the rest you need. A lot of churches preach work, 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 work because you're going to prove something to God. Let me tell you, there's nothing you can do that can outdo the work Jesus Christ has already done. You can't outdo the blood of Jesus Christ. There's some people that think that you're only saved if, if you go somewhere and they dunk you in a swimming pool and baptize you. I believe you should be baptized, but I was not saved by chlorinated water. I was saved by the blood of Jesus. And that's why we're seated at the right hand of the throne of God because we're going to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. We get tired, we get worn out. There's a scripture in Matthew the 11th chapter 28th verse, but I'm going to read it out of the message translation because it just really lays it out there and makes it real plain, makes it real good. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? It says, come to me, get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. If you're trying to force it, trying to make it work, it's not grace. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything uh, heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Hey, I like to live freely and lightly. 
I like to live freely and lightly. I've lived the other way. I've been tired. I've been worn out. I've been burned out on religious things. I've been burned out on a whole lot of different things. He says, just come to me. And you know what? I've said before, you know, I may not say it out loud, but I just can't rest until this is complete. Can't rest. It's on my mind. It's distracting me. It's bothering me. I have to get this complete to rest. You know what I'm talking about? I haven't had many tickets in my life, but the times that I have been written a ticket, I, it bothers me until I go up there and pay the thing. I put it above the dash or wherever I put it. I got to go pay that thing immediately. It just bothers me. I got to get it taken care of. Y'all know I'm talking about certain things in life like that where you just can't rest until you get it done. I've got to get it done. And, you know, there's a, a spirit of Jezebel. Many people have heard about Jezebel and you've heard sermons on Jezebel. But one of the things that Jezebel, that people overlook, is uh, the, uh, the manipulation and basically how Satan uses right now in our life is this fast-paced society that we live in, this fast-paced society, uh, lifestyle that we live in um, to distract you from the things of God. It's a fast-paced life. And, uh, you know, you have things you just can't get done. And when I do get them done, then I'll finally get to rest. You know, when I get the kids of this age, I'll get to rest. Uh, when I get the kids moved out of the house, I'll get to rest. When I get the new job, make them more money, then things will be better. If I can marry her, if I can get rid of her, whatever it is, then I'll get to rest. Then I'll get to rest. When I get this accomplished, when I make it from point A to point B, then I'll get to rest. And, um, you know, a daily routine. You know, get up, man, got to hurry, got to get ready, got to get going, get the kids. And, oh, man, I got to iron this and trying to fix some breakfast and get them dressed and get them to school. And then they tell you before they go, they forgot to tell you uh, yesterday or the day before about this, that, and the other. And, oh, my goodness, now I got to take care of that. And you get them off to school and then you get to work. Work's piled up. You work hard all day long and uh, you get off work. But, you know, your mama's a little older and she needs some help. Then you got to run by her house and do something for her. And then we got to go pick the kids up at school. Got to do homework. Oh, got ball practice. We got to go to ball practice. And somewhere in the mix, I got to figure out for something for supper. And then I'm wore out and tired of going to bed. And I get up the next day and do it all over again. It's a fast paced life. Jesus wasn't ever in a hurry. He said, He's, he, he, he's dying. All right, I'll get over. And four days later, he showed up. He said, he, he stinks. He's been dead for four days. He wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't in a hurry. And we need to slow down. I'm telling you. It's a Jezebel spirit. It is part of it. You can find rest even in a storm. You can be in a storm and find rest in Christ Jesus. Think about it. There was a storm. And the disciples are on the boat and the storm's blowing up and they're looking at the waves and the wind and they're freaking out. They're not in peace. They're not resting. They're, they're, they're wigging out. But rest himself, who is Jesus Christ, was resting down in the ship, in the bow of the ship. That's where they went down there to rest. He's down there asleep and they wake him up and say, don't you even care? This, we're about to sink. He's resting in the storm. Well, 
You could, they could have just went down there and just laid down beside him. They could have just all took a nap and arrested him because as long as he's on the ship, the ship's not going to go down. I don't care how big the storm is. Is he on your ship? Is he in your vessel? Is he in your life? Just rest in him. Just know he's got it. You can go out there and, and paddle and get buckets of water and work the sail and do all these different things, or you can just rest in him. So he's already done the work on my behalf. I'm going to rest in him. He's finished the work. Amen. He'll fight for you. He'll fight for you. Rest in him. You rest, he fights. You got a problem with situation in your life? Rest, he fights. Rest in him. Or you can go fight it yourself. You won't be victorious. When I mean let him fight, the word of God fights for you. That's your sword. That's your offensive weapon. That's what you fight with. You can't lose. You cannot lose. There is no losing. So the first thing there was rest. Point one, rest. You got to have rest. Next thing here is food. You need rest. You need food. So what are you eating? What are you eating? So naturally, what are you eating? Everything you eat is uh, going to affect you some, some, some way, somehow. I mean, you may think, well, it's just one slice, one piece, whatever. And I realized last week we talked about food. Probably not a great time to talk about food since it's Mother's Day. Everybody left here, went and ate a bunch of food. So uh, somebody told me they threw half their cheeseburger away because they felt guilty. <laughs> but it, it, it's not about that. Y'all know... Y'all know what I mean, but what are you eating? So here's how I did my diet is I didn't uh, look anything up on the internet or anything like that. I just said, here's what I do with every meal. I just asked myself this question. What's this going to do for me? What is this going to do for me? Because it's either going to feed fat or it's going to feed muscle. It's going to do one thing or the other. It's either good or it's bad. What is this going to do for me? So I need some good carbs. Well, where am I going to get them from? Am I going to get some carbs from a Pop-Tart? Because they have them, but they're not good ones. You can get some carbs from an orange. That's better than a Pop-Tart. Jackie said you can get carbs from a hot fudge Sunday. We were talking about it last night, or I think it was last night. I can't remember. Days running together. It might have been the night before, but talking about hot fudge Sundays and... Uh, I said, Jesus didn't eat a hot fudge Sunday. She goes, but he is now. <laughs> you know, because I said they didn't have hot fudge Sundays back then. You know, obviously they didn't have ice cream. So well, he's eating them now. Let me tell you, I dare to say that whatever food there is in heaven is going to taste a whole lot better than anything we've ever thought about. Hot fudge Sunday, you're going to chunk that thing for whatever it is we're going to Because everything there is better. It's way better. So uh, no more broccoli, you know what I'm saying, when you get there. (laughs) But it is going to affect you. What you eat is going to affect you. It's going to have some effects, some lasting effects. And we know these things. And uh, and decisions you make, choices you make, spiritually speaking, what you put in you. See, if we looked at everything we did, the same way as we looked at that food, you know, if we said unhealthy, healthy, what am I going to do? Am I going to feed the fat or am I going to feed the muscle? Am I going to uh, help my uh, self out 
you know, with health. Like, this is going to make me healthy. This is going to make me unhealthy. You can do the same thing spiritually. If you stop and thought about what are going to be the repercussions of this, of my decisions. What's going to happen if I go and watch this film that I shouldn't watch? Should I watch it or should I not? Am I feeding my flesh or am I feeding my spirit? What's going to happen? And Satan will say, nothing's going to happen. Love handle Christians, fine. Something is going to happen because you're partaking of something. You're feeding yourself something. And you think, well, nobody else knows. My wife don't know. My husband don't know. My kids, my mom and daddy, they don't know. You carry it home with you. You, you think just because you go out and do it there that it's okay and you don't bring it back with you? You do bring it back with you. Don't think you can walk up into a haunted house and not carry something home with you. Don't be fooled by that. They're just pretending, yeah, whatever. You do carry it home with you. I went to a race yesterday. I carried some stuff home with me. I carried a whole bunch of dirt home with me. All over my dirt bike, all over my clothes, all over my truck. And I'll tell you right now, it was all in my lawns because I was hacking up and spitting dirt for hours last night. I carry some other stuff home with me too. Sore legs, sore back, sore body, everything's hurting. Carried something home with me. So you, if you're doing these activities at home, let's just say you're sitting in front of the television, watching television, and you've got this on in your home and vulgarity and different things. To think that that doesn't come out and just permeate through the house. You're fooling yourself. It does. It travels through the house. You may have your son's bedroom door shut, but there's a crack under it and it'll go right underneath it. But you can change the station. And you cannot be fussing and fighting. Let's just say you got to... You get the uh, smart TV, and let's just say you got it on YouTube, and you're just playing some Christian music, playing some good songs that you like. That can permeate through your house. That can get under your son's door, your daughter's door. That can fill your bedroom. I walk in my house, and it hasn't always been like this, but I walk in my house now, and there's a piece there. It's just a piece. And a lot of times I get home in the evening, there's two things, my two favorite things going on when I walk in the door is the smell of some food. That's number one. I open the door, I'm like, yes. Because, you know, it's ready to eat. You got home from work, ready to eat. And then if there's some music going in the background. And uh, those two things, were the, it's, just a, it's just a peaceful feeling. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have never felt that feeling because you've never lived in a peaceful home. You just heard cussing and screaming and hollering and fighting and bickering and carrying on and uh, trash on the television. It will affect you. It will affect you. So, you know, what are you eating? What are you eating? Here's one thing I've learned in these, these past eight weeks or so is my appetite has definitely changed. I've been, I've followed it very strictly. I've been on a strict diet and choosing good things. And um, it, it was hard at first. Let me tell you, it was hard at first. At, at first, I get hungry, it's easy just to wheel through there and grab you something. Or, you know, I walk in and I see it and it's, oh God, and I just wanted to eat it. Because I had an appetite for it because I've been eating it for years. So I had an appetite for it. I wanted it. I wanted the baked spaghetti. Or I wanted the double cheeseburger. Or I wanted these things. I did want them. 
But I just had to say, no, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I had to say, what, what am I putting in me? What's it going to do? And I chose to put the good things in me. And over the course of these eight, it's only been a couple months, but my appetite's already changed. I used to, about 11, 11.30, my stomach said, hey, it's lunchtime, and I was looking for, forward to some lunch. And I could go knock some lunch out, son. You know what I mean? But now... As crazy as it is, this past week I ate and I wasn't even hungry. I just ate because I knew I needed to. I knew I needed to be putting something in me. You can't just go all day with no food. But the things that I used to have an appetite for went away. Honestly, have gone away. Like I walked through my kitchen last night. There's a big bag of Hershey's Kisses. Didn't even bother me. I can tell you right now, eight weeks ago I went over there and I just said, well, I'll just eat one. And about 20 later... She wouldn't have had enough to use in the dessert she was making. But my appetite has changed. That's the truth. It will change. But if you keep, uh, if you're the love handle Christian and you just have a slice of it every now and then, a slice of pie, you always keep that appetite alive. You, you follow me? Well, transfer that over spiritually. If you're feeding it just a little every now and then, you're just going to be keeping it alive. It's still going to be hungry. You're still going to have an appetite for it. But the thing to do is to kill the thing. Kill the appetite. Well, now you don't have an appetite for sin anymore. You don't have an appetite to watch, to say, to do what you used to do. Your appetite 100% will change because I've lived that part of it as well. It'll change. Your appetite will change. You'll be hungry for the things of God and the things of the world will disgust you. You won't have an appetite for them anymore. But it's not something that's going to happen in two days. Seed, time, harvest. Go plant a garden. You don't pick tomatoes tomorrow. Seed, time, and harvest. In other words, it's a process. It takes a little time. You're feeding one thing, you're killing the other thing because you're starving it. Y'all with me? And... um, how many people have ate? You went over to birthday party, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, some type of event. You go, the whole family's gathered together. Everybody brings in all their dishes. And you ate till you couldn't wiggle. I've done it. A bunch of times. And then when I couldn't wiggle, I went and got a dessert. And then I loaded me up with something to take to the house with me. Couldn't wiggle. And you just be, you know, you just, oh, hold your gut. Just like, oh, you may got a wheelbarrow to roll me out to the car. And I've done it before. I've done it a lot of times. But one thing I've never, I mean, I, you know, pumping yourself full of trashy food and just saying, oh, because it sits heavy on you. It weighs heavy on you. It does. I've never left church and said, oh, too many praise and worship songs. I can barely wiggle. Oh, the word was so good today. It was just a little too much. God just had a little, just a little too much. Never done that. I've never done that. In fact, that's the only thing you can't overindulge on. You can't get too much word. You can definitely get too much food, but you can't get too much word. Proverbs. This is one of my uh, top scriptures right here. I love this thing. And it'll be real easy for a lot of you to remember if you're, if you're familiar with 420. She is. See, there you go. She, 
My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Pay attention to my words. Lean your ear over here. Hear what I got to say. Don't let my words depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to find them and health to all their flesh. This is the part I was wanting to get to. These words right here, the Word of God, my Word, these words are life to those who find them. Not everybody's going to find them, but if you'll find them, they're life to you. And they're health to all your flesh. And if you look it up in the original language, it actually says medicine to your body. Medicine for your bodies. It's medicine. Now, any type of medicine there is, I don't even care if it's a Tylenol, you can overdose on it, you can take too much on it, and it can hurt you. It can have the opposite effect. The doctor says, take this many this time today, but you just say, well, that ain't enough. I think I'll double or triple that dose to make this thing work faster. It can have reverse effects on you. You know what I mean? This is the only medicine right here that there is you, you can't take too much on. In fact, the more you take, the better. The more you take, the more you get in, the better. The more word you get in, the better. And the word, in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You can't overcome the light. You can't out-dark the light. You walk into a dark room, you flip a light on, and the light overcomes the darkness. You can take a big giant building, no windows in it, complete, utter darkness. One light bulb flipping on, now you've got light. Darkness can't overcome light. Light always wins. It always wins. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. In the beginning. And that light, that Word was the light right here. And it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You and I, we're witnesses to the light. In other words, we, we go out and we preach the message so that people will have the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was getting them ready. He said, hey, the light's coming. Jesus is coming. And it says, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which is his own, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, that's you and me. To those who believed in his name, that's you and I. He gave the right to become children of God. We're children of God. Amen. 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 Children born not of natural descent nor of human descent but of or a husband's will, but born of God. That's what we're talking about, born again. We're born again. We're born again. Now, I want you to see this. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right here in the 14th verse, that Word that was in the beginning became flesh and dwelt among us. What you're talking about is talking about Jesus Christ. He was with Him in the beginning. And then that Word became flesh. So Jesus Christ walking around was the Word on legs. He, he became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen? So... Um, you, you look in the Old Testament and you'll see um, where the, the manna rained out of heaven. He fed them. He kept them alive on manna. This is your daily bread. Go get your daily bread. Go get, 
Get up every morning, and there it is. It's on the ground. The manna that rained down from heaven. Go get enough for that day. Don't store it up and try to stock it, stockpile it, because when you do stockpile it, guess what? It rots. It's get maggots and stuff all in it. He says, go get it daily. He wants you to go get your daily bread. That tells us we need the Word daily. Don't think you're going to double up today, and I don't need none for two or three days. But you need to get into the Word daily. You need the Word to be a part of your daily life. A daily feeding on the Word. That's the manna that came down from heaven was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ coming down from from heaven and being our bread. The bread of life. Amen. Now, we're going to go right here into John the 6th chapter. I know it's a lot of Scripture, but like I said, I want you to see them. He's talking to his disciples. He said, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. And he says, I'm the bread of life. And then he reminds them. He says, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. He's talking about himself. They ate that manna, but they died. But now, here I am. That was a type and shadow of me, the bread of life. You eat this bread, and you're not going to die. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. And this bread's my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He gave his life. He gave his flesh. They nailed him to a cross. First thing they did was strip him down and beat him unmercifully, tied him to a whipping post, beat his flesh, beat the hide off of him, beat the skin off of him. And then they nailed him to a cross. And the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What in the world is he talking about? You know, they're looking at it like, take a bite out of his arm or something. We're going to take a bite out of him. Jesus said to them, Very truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no, uh, you have no life in you. You're just a walking dead man. Without me in you, without my word in you, you may, may look like you're alive, but you're just a walking dead man because there's no life found in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate the manna and died. He's reminding them again. But whoever feeds on me, he said, I am the bread of life. Right here. This is me. Feed on me the bread of life. You know what? Y'all familiar with 666, aren't you? There's one scripture in the entirety of the Bible. It's found right here. They heard this message and they started grumbling and talking amongst themselves. They said, who can receive this? This is too hard. This is too hard for teaching. We can't receive this. And it says in the 66th verse, John 6, 6, 6, the only chapter and verse is 666 in the entirety of the Bible. It says, from this time, many of his disciples turned their back and they no longer followed him. They heard his teaching. They said, this is too hard. And they says, wrong one. They said he turned his back and no longer followed him. Isn't that something? They heard his teaching. They said, this is too hard. I've been the same way on this natural diet. This is too hard. This is too hard. I just can't do it. And quit. And lots of people do it. 
They try for a while, but then they quit. They say this is just too hard and they quit. They don't stay with it until the appetite changes, until the old, old ways fall off. And now all of a sudden uh, you have an ap- a new appetite for healthy things. The same thing with the Word of God. It's too hard. This is too hard. It's too hard to cut that radio station off. It's too hard to quit talking this way. It's too hard to quit uh, going over my girlfriend's house even though I'm married. It's just too hard. It's too hard to quit rolling up these doobies. It's just too hard. It's just too hard to say no to these worldly things because I just enjoy them so much. It's just too hard. So I'm just going to walk away. John 6, 6, 6. It's just too hard. You get hungry. That's when it gets hard. See, I find, I'd find myself, and you probably do the same thing. You get out and you get busy. You're doing real good. You're eating clean. You're eating healthy. You're doing good. But then as the day goes or the week progresses or whatever, and now we're, I'm busy and I didn't have time to eat lunch or something. And it's 3 or 4 o'clock. And dang, I am hungry. I've been out working a physical job all day and I haven't fed uh, my body and now I'm hungry. And now I'm so hungry, I make a bad choice. I make a bad choice. You can do the same thing spiritually. When you don't go get that daily bread, He said, go get my daily bread. Come get your daily bread. I'm your daily bread. And you don't get your daily bread, then all of a sudden, uh, you're not satisfied. So then you build up this appetite and you get, you're hungry for something. And you make a bad choice. And you eat the wrong thing. Same thing happens spiritually. Next thing you know, you click on that thing. Oh, shouldn't have clicked on that. But you done clicked on it. Well, he's merciful. His mercies are new every day. He hits the floor in the morning when he wakes up and he's just looking, uh, his mercy, he's just looking for somebody to be merciful to. You get too hungry, you make bad choices. He said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. There's a woman at the well, Samaritan. He's a Jew. And he goes to the well and he says, hey, give me a drink of that water. And she said, uh, I'm a Samaritan, you're a Jew. Jews don't even associate with Samaritans and you're asking me for a drink of water. He said, hey, lady, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink of water and I'd give you a drink of water, an everlasting fountain that's going to be flowing up out of you. Guess what? You keep coming back to this well over and over and over because you're going to get thirsty time and time again. But if you drink from this well, talking about him, he says, you'll never thirst again because I'll satisfy you. She had had husband after husband after husband after husband been married, been shacked up because you know what? She's trying to find satisfaction through a man. She couldn't ever find it. But then that day she found satisfaction through a man. That man's name was Jesus. He said, I'll quench your thirst. He says, hunger and thirst. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after my righteousness. Right here, Matthew 5, 6 verse. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after my righteousness for they'll be filled. See, he's wanting to change your appetite. He wants you to hunger and to thirst after His righteousness. To hunger and thirst after the blood. To hunger and thirst after the Word of God. Jesus is... uh, 
talking to his disciples, he says, uh, who do people say that I am? Who, who do they say that I am, guys? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah and one of the prophets. What I think is really funny is they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Because if I had been Jesus, I'd been like, what? Don't you remember? John the Baptist physically baptized me. How could I be him? Did I baptize myself? But anyway, he says, you're, you're one of them. He says, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter asked, answered and said, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Now Peter had made a lot of mistakes. And I opened his mouth and talked a whole lot and jacked a lot of stuff up. But this one time, he opens his mouth and says the right thing. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. Well, we know he didn't come up with it on his own, because every time he opened his mouth in the past on his own, he messed things up. He says, you didn't come up with this on your own, boy, because you ain't smart enough. This right here was revealed by my Father in heaven. And he says, I'll tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whenever you bind on earth, we bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So when you eat, you're going to do one thing or the other. When you eat, you're going to you're feed muscle and you're building muscle. Or you're going to eat and you're going to feed fat and build fat. And what he's saying is here, he's telling him, uh, you're talking about building a foundation. Y'all see, y'all see this. He said, this is what I'm going to build my church on. Well, I'm not, he's not building his church on a human being. He's not building his church on Peter. Peter's not the foundation, but Peter has a revelation. He says, you're the son of the living God. That's who you are. You're the Messiah. And he says, on that revelation right there, Peter, you're going to build the church. We're going to build the church. We're still building the church on that revelation right there. It's building a church on a foundation. What foundation? The Word of God, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the ancestors ate, but they died. But now the bread, the living bread, I'm here. It's the Word. I'm here. Build uh, the foundation of your life, of the church. Build everything on this rock, this foundation right here. In other words, you can try to build it on junk. You can eat junk food or you can, you can build muscle. See, when, you, when you're building a, a muscle, you're, you're building a foundation. You're building a foundation. Amen? Just making it easy to understand from natural to spiritual. So it's just easier to see, I think. And um, the foundation is going to endure. The foundation is going to endure. You get this foundation built on the Word of God, it's going to endure. You're going to persevere. You're going to weather the storm. The house won't fold and the house won't crumble. You'll still be standing when everybody's in the neighborhood's falling. So you need three things. Rest, food, and exercise. Exercise. The food is the Word of God. We need it. Exercise. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock, hearing the word and putting it into practice. So you can be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So how is our faith being built? Hearing the word of God. 
CNN's not going to build your faith. Fox News ain't going to build your faith. Rick and Bubba's not going to build your faith. Leonard Skinner's not going to build your faith. Nothing against any of those things. If you like them, I'm just saying they're not going to send you to hell, but it's not going to build your faith. It's not. It's not going to build your faith to stand on the Word and pray for your child when he's sick. It's not going to help you at all. What's going to build your faith is hearing the Word. Not just hearing it, but being a doer. Right here it says, Therefore anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man and built his house on a rock. Now you're a hearer and a doer. That's the exercise. See, the food, you're taking the Word in, you're taking the Word in, you're taking the Word in, you're hearing the Word, you're feeding the muscle, you're building the foundation. Now we're going to be a doer. Now we're going to go out and get some exercise. We're going to build some muscles up. We're going to be doing some curls and some benches and some squatting and whatever it is that you do. And there's a whole lot of different exercises that you can do. And you can build this muscle and you can build that muscle and you can build all these different muscles. Guess what? You can apply faith to so many different areas of your life. And every one of them is applying it to a muscle. To healing, to your marriage, to your finances, to your whatever. Y'all understand what I'm talking about? We're building, we're working, we're exercising. He says, if you put them into practice, you're a wise man. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against the house, but it didn't fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. The life was built on the rock. He built some muscle. You want to go up and stand against a big tub of goo? Or do you want to go up and stand against somebody that's solid muscle? I'd really go against a tub of goo myself. The house is built on the sand. I mean, I'm just being serious. You fit to go get into a fist fight right here. There ain't nobody to break it up. Just you and one other dude. You want the dude that's going to walk out and look like Schwarzenegger? Not at 70, but like at 30. I wouldn't even want to mess with a dude at 70. Or some big, out of shape, somebody that... Same thing. Same thing about building your house. You want a house built on a rock or you want a house built on the sand? It says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. If your house is not built on the Word, you're going to fall. It's not going to endure the elements. It's not going to withstand. It's not going to hold up. You've got to stand on the Word, and when you do stand on the Word, you get stronger. You stand on this Word and you get stronger. You feed these muscles and you go exercise the Word. Uh, Your muscles, you go exercise them. Guess what? You get stronger. And then guess what? Now you want more food. Now you're hungry. You're more hungry now than you were before. You want even more protein. You want even more good food. Because these muscles are screaming, feed me! But you put this Word of God in you. And you go exercise this word, and then you want more word. Because now you've, you've gone from glory to glory to faith to faith. You, you've seen how the word works in your life, and you want more of it. Give me some more of it. My appetite's changed. Now I want some more of it. That's how it works. It's as simple as that. We make it complicated. God made it really, really simple. You get opportunities to exercise your faith. Um... Here's an opportunity right here. I'm running low on funds this month. What am I going to do? 
Am I going to freak out? Have a panic attack? Or am I going to rest in Christ Jesus? Am I going to stand on His Word? Am I going to exercise my faith on what His Word says? Because what His Word says, that I'll supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I'm your supplier. I'll supply all your needs. I'll do it. I'll take care of you. You got another need with this area or that area? My job, my vehicle, I need some tires on my truck, with my child. You get an opportunity to stand on the Word and watch the Word work. That's exercising your faith. That's being a hearer and a doer. You need rest. You need the Word. You need to exercise it. Faith without works is dead. In other words, that means uh, you, you got it in here. You got to put it to work. You can be the smartest man in the world, but if you don't open your mouth, nobody's ever going to know it. I mean, you, you can know how to fix something, but unless you go over there and start working on it, we'll never know. Exercising what you know, exercising your faith. You can be behind on money, running low. You can do your budget this month. You can look at your income. And you can say, hmm, tithing, because the word says the tithe, doesn't really work into my budget. Because I was going to buy me a new boat. And uh, I really need a boat for the family. We're going to go up to the lake, have some fun, and I'm all for that. Do it. If I buy this boat, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to tithe, so I'm just not going to tithe. I'm just going to keep the tithe and apply that towards my boat payment. You can just take matters into your own hand, or you can exercise your faith, and you can stand on the Word and say, well, here's what the Word says. The Word says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. The only place in the entirety of the Bible, He gives you permission to test Him. He says, test me and see. See. See if I'll not uh, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it all. And he says, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it shrubs, says the Lord. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. That's what he's saying. He says, test me. See if I won't open up these windows, pour out a floodgate of blessing and I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. If you stand on the word, if you exercise your faith. You could be in a situation where, well, I'll tell you what. I got a buddy who told me just uh, Thursday, he said, went to the doctor for my checkup. He said, they told me I'm a diabetic. I said, oh, yeah. I said, well, what'd you tell, what'd you tell them? He said, I told them, by his stripes, I am healed. Now, he's overweight. He's been eating wrong. He said, I realize i got to change my diet. It's, I brought this up on myself because I've ate all this junk, and he's big. he makes me look small, let me tell you. But in other words, he said, I have an opportunity right here just to accept this and just say, well, I guess I'm just diabetic. I want to take medicine the rest of my life and probably, you know, whatever, possibly die soon. He said, no, I know what the Word of God says. Yeah, I have got overweight and I have brought this on myself, but I serve a God that's merciful and I don't get what I deserve. I get a lot better than what I deserve. That's a thing called grace. He said, I'm just going to stand on the Word. What he did was he exercised his faith. He knew the Word because he had heard the Word. Now he's a doer of the Word. He's put protein in him. Now he's working out and exercising. He's put the Word in him and now he's exercising his faith. That's how it works. That's how it works. In Hebrews, and we're done. 
In Hebrews it says, By faith Abraham, by faith, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not even know where he was going. By faith he went. He didn't know where he was going. The Word spoke to him and the Word said, Go here. He did not know where he was going, but by faith he did what the Word said and he obeyed it and he went. Good thing he did. Good thing he did for you and me. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Offered him as a sacrifice by faith. By faith, he took his son Isaac up a mountain. He trusted in God. God said, go to the mountain to sacrifice him. By faith, he took him up the mountain to sacrifice him. And guess what? The whole time he's going up this side of the mountain, there's a ram coming up the other side of the mountain. God already had made the provision before he ever got there. By faith. By faith. Exercising. Rest. Food. Faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Seven Mile Ministry. 